Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to finish this chapter. And for the next few weeks, I want you to know that we're going to be talking about the family. We're going to be talking about marriage. We're going to be talking about sex. We're going to be talking about also singleness and what God has called you to do and to be and how to use your time. Because what there's, if there's something important that we should know as Christian believers are two things. We studied those two things last week. Thing number one is who you are. Who you are, that you are a child of God. And if you're a child of God, you're called out of a life of darkness into a life in the light. You are a child of God, number one. And number two, that you belong to God. Who are you? Number one, I'm a child of God. Number two, who do I belong to? I belong to God. I don't belong to myself. I belong to God. What do you see that was taking place in Corinthians? In the church of Corinth, in the location here of Corinth, they were choosing, I'm going to tell you, they were choosing pride and pleasure. They were choosing pride and pleasure over purpose and calling. Pride and pleasure over purpose and calling. And because of that, sexual sin started to become very heavy in the church. Sexual sin. And you would wonder if Paul is talking or addressing the world here or the non-believer... But he's addressing the believer. Sexual sin is so heavy. We are living in a time today where we are saturated with sexual sin. If you drive down the freeway, see the billboards now of the gentleman's club and, and, and you go on your phone and these sites start to populate and even online and you flip to the channels, it seems like you cannot watch a movie without sex in it any longer. And that's why it's so important that we go to these texts and really say, Lord, teach me because I don't want to be the person, the man or the woman that is living in sexual sin. I want to understand what God says about sex. And when I understand that I'm a child of God, and when I understand that I belong to God, guess what it also allows me to now detect or it allows me to discover my purpose. You know that you have a purpose? God has a purpose for your life. He has a purpose for your body. He has a purpose for your mind, for your spirit, and for your soul. And when you know I'm a child of God, and I belong to God, I discover my purpose. My purpose is to glorify God. It's to worship Him alone. You were created to worship Him alone. That is your purpose. Your purpose is to glorify Him alone. And sometimes we start to think, well, is it right in the eyes of God what I'm doing here? What I'm participating in? If it's in the, is it right in the eyes of God? And sometimes it's not. But we are okay with it because it's right in the eyes of the world or I, right in the eyes of other people. Does it make me feel good? That's what pleasure does. Pleasure, does it make me feel good? Then I'm going to do it. Am I craving it? Then I'm going to participate in it. It makes me feel good. You know what pride does? Is it right in my eyes? I don't care what they say about it. It's right in my eyes. That's my pride speaking. Does it make me feel good? That's my pleasure speaking. You see, you should not be motivated by feelings and by emotions. When you're motivated by feelings and emotions, it will lead you to sin. And specifically the sin that we're talking about, which is sexual sin. And whether you're married or you're single, you need to hear this today. I don't, you might say, well, you know what, you shouldn't be talking to me about this, I'm married. No, you need sexual purity to get married and you need sexual purity to stay married. You know the reason why a lot of people divorce because of sexual sin? Because of infidelity. Because of pornography. 
because of lying, because of stealing, because of cheating. And these are so destructive, these sins that are taking place, that it begins with you not understanding that you're a child of God and that you belong to God. Now that you know your purpose, that it's to glorify Him, everything that you do today and tomorrow and every day, where you go, everything that you do, you have to ask yourself the question, does it align with my purpose? Does it align with my purpose? Does it glorify God? If this doesn't glorify God, then I don't want to be a part of it. You see, nothing glorifies God more than your obedience and your holiness. Nothing glorifies God more than your obedience and your holiness. Because you were created to worship Him alone. And if your obedience and your holiness glorifies God, then you have to ask yourself the question, is this helpful? Is this appropriate? Is this, is this now productive that I participate in this, that I'm involved in such now activities? Maybe they don't honor God. I'll tell you, it's been said before, a moment of pleasure, a moment of pleasure, if you're living in pleasure, a moment of pleasure will cost you a lifetime of misery. And I want you to remember that today. Because a lot of us live for pleasure instead of for purpose. A lot of us live because of pride and make decisions on pride instead of calling. A moment of pleasure will cost you a lifetime of misery. It seems like we're living in a world that is so unpopular when it comes to purity. So unpopular when it comes to have sex in the constraints or in the parameters, in the guardrails now of marriage. God created sex and it's a beautiful thing. It's only a beautiful thing if it's in the confounds of what God created. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 and 21 sums up where we left off last week. Where Paul tells the church, Now the works of the flesh, they're evident, they're, it's obvious. Now you can't hide it. And these are the works of the flesh. Notice this, that the works of the flesh, the top three works of the flesh now, are given because of sexual appetite. The works of the flesh are adultery, their fornication, their uncleanliness, their lewdness, their idolatry, sorcery, hatred now, contentions, jealousies here, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revileries, and like of which I tell you beforehand, which I also told you in times past, that those who practice, those who live, those who live here, such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, there's nothing such as a fornicating Christian. <laughs> there's nothing such as an adulterer disciple of Christ. That doesn't exist. You have to ask yourself, if I'm participating, if I'm living in these things, then I'm not a child of God. I'm not inheriting now the kingdom of God. Paul tells us here that victory and deliverance is possible. I want you to know that today. Because maybe you came now with the problem of lust. And victory and deliverance is possible. Maybe you came today putting things in your body that God doesn't permit, or God doesn't allow. God does not want that to be part of your body. Victory and deliverance are possible. You see, what is he doing? He's pointing people away from failure and getting them to look at God. I want you to today, to get your eyes off of failure today. Maybe you've messed up. Maybe you're messing up. Maybe you feel condemned. Maybe you feel discouraged. Maybe you feel depressed because of this. Because that's what sin makes you feel like. It promises enrichment, but it leaves you empty, depressed, alone, and miserable. 
And maybe you're feeling that way. What I want to tell you today, because of Paul, what he's encouraging us to do, is that victory and deliverance from that sin is possible. All you have to do is go to Calvary, because that's the place where all your problems are solved, at the cross. Get your eyes off of a failure, and put your eyes back on God. Get your eyes off of that lust, and put your eyes back on the love of God. A lot of times you say, well, I, I, I love. No, there's a difference between love and lust. And we better make sure we know the difference. Love starts at Calvary. Love starts with, lust starts with self. You know what lust means? It's you thinking about your pleasure. And, and, and it's so important that we know this because in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14, you know what, here even Paul exhorts again one more time, that, that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You want to see the Lord and you're working in your life? You want to see the Lord at eternity's gates? You want to see the Lord in heaven? You want to see the Lord in your house? Then without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You can't say you have the grace of God without the governance of God. Oh Lord, I have your grace, but I don't have your governance. You know what governance means? is that He governs your life. And if you want to enjoy His grace, then you also have to participate in His governance. Faith, your faith, if it doesn't produce holiness, then it's not real faith. Because without holiness, you can't see God. Your faith must produce holiness, or it's not Bible, New Testament faith. When you look at the Bible, New Testament faith, it was faith that produced holiness. And your faith must produce holiness, or else it's not Bible, New Testament faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 says this, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And then it goes on. Foods for the stomach, and the stomach for food, but God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. And God both raised up the Lord, and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot or a prostitute? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality, every sin that a man does outside of the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are the Lord's. You see, how does he end this chapter? How does he end this now portion of Scripture? Glorify God with your body. Why? Because God has a purpose for your body. And sometimes you think, well, God doesn't have a purpose for my body. Well, yes, He does. He wants to use your body. In fact, your body is what He uses to serve Him. If you didn't have the proper body now, or, or healthy, or, or, or holy body with holy hands, and, and eyes, and a mind, and in a heart, then how would you have effectively fulfill the purpose that God has for you? In fact, sin and lust and deception and destruction get in the way of your purpose. Get in the way of you glorifying God. And here it says in verse 12, All things are lawful for me. First he's going to acknowledge this. Yes, I'm living in the grace of God. I am in the grace of God and I have permission to enjoy the grace of God. Yes, 
But not all things are helpful. Understand this. Not all things are helpful. Does it, is it bad if I watch this movie? If it has all these scenes that are perverted and they're nasty and they're showing all types of nudity? Is it bad, is it, you know, is it bad to watch this in front of my family or my kids? It's bad if you watch it at all. Because you have to ask yourself, is it helpful? All things are lawful. Maybe it's not going to send you to hell. But it's not helpful. It doesn't edify. It's not profitable. It doesn't bring any spiritual benefit. Your liberty is never a license for you to get away with sin. Your liberty, the grace of God, it's never a license for you to get away with sin. When you know that you belong to God, it also tells you what you should and you should not be a part of. Don't ever take your liberty out of context. Oh, you know what? I'm not religious. I'm not legalistic. I, I get to do these things and enjoy these other things and, and it's okay. Well, yeah, is it helpful though? Is it appropriate? Does it edify? Does it build up? Does it have any spiritual benefit to you, your marriage, your family, your life as a person, as an individual? No, it doesn't. Then you don't want to be a part of it. Because in verse 12, it says this, All things are lawful, not all things are helpful. And I will not let, this is all things are, not law, are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. You know how you can be brought under the power of something? When you get addicted, when you can't stop. No, that, that thing has you under bondage now. But you would say, well, I, you know, it, it just a little bit. You know, here Paul is telling us, the only thing that I want to be under the power of is the Holy Spirit. The only thing that I want to control me in my mind, in my body, is the Spirit of God. That's the only thing that I want, that it would dominate me. And, and you have to understand, when we are free in the Lord, you understand today you're free in the Lord, and He's given you the grace to enjoy life. But you're in the free in the Lord, and you let anything else control you except God, except His Spirit, then let me tell you something, you're no longer free. Because you're allowing something else to control you that is not God, that is not the Holy Spirit, and you are in bondage to it. You see, the culture of Corinth accepted now the religious Christians or Corinthians among now, and they thought that there was nothing wrong with, with hiring now or using a prostitute. And, and understand this, they accepted this. And because they accepted this, now they became under bondage of it. They couldn't stop. They couldn't quit. They were addicted. It's been said before, the issue with Christian liberty, the issue with Christian liberty is not how much sin I can get away with, but how much freedom from sin can I enjoy? I'm going to say that again because I want you to really hone in on that. The issue with Christian liberty is not how much sin I can get away with, but how much freedom from sin can I enjoy? How much freedom from sin are you enjoying today? Or are we saturated in a place where we're in bondage to sin? The New Living Translation reads verse 13. You say, I'm allowed to do anything? Of course I am. But not everything is good for you. Not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. How would you say, well, I'm not a slave to it. Can you stop it right now? If, did you, if you had to give it up right now, could you do it? Are you, are you a slave to watching something that maybe doesn't honor God? Are you a slave to, to maybe uh, now participating in something that doesn't honor God? They said, I'm not going to come into under bondage. I'm not going to let that have power over me. The grace of God has given you the availability. The grace of God has given you the power to say no and to have your body under control. 
And it says now here, verse 13, foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods. All right, let's, let's acknowledge something now. Our body needs food. There's going to come a day where our body no longer is going to need food when we are found face to face with our maker. And although we need that right now, we're dependent upon it now, there's going to come a day where we're not going to depend on food the way we depend on it today. And He's going to remind us that. But the reason He's doing this is for the following. But God will destroy both it and then. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Why does He compare food and sex in the same verse? Because now the Corinthians, what, he, what they were saying is, you know what, my body craves food, so I'm going to indulge in food. My body craves a sexual sin. It's the same thing. Just like it craved food, it craves a sexual sin. So hey, there, there are biological chemicals that are going through my mind, so I'm going to indulge in the sexual sin as well. And he's saying, no, it's not the same. It is not the same. It's not the same, and they were confusing the two. You say, you say food is for the stomach and, and the stomach for food, although God is going to take you away from that dependency upon it. Yes, but you can't say your bodies were made for sexual immoralities because they weren't. Just because you have maybe that desire doesn't mean that you have to go and fulfill that pleasure. He's saying they're made for the Lord and the Lord cares about your body. Just because you crave something, just because you have a desire for it, just because you have an appeal for it, doesn't mean that God gives you now the ability to enjoy that now outside of Him. And that was their logic. Their logic was so twisted. Their motto was so twisted. Whatever I crave, I'm going to get. And He's saying, no, it's, there's a difference here. There is a difference. And, and we can pause and talk about this right now, but sexual sin outside of marriage... Not only is having sex outside of marriage, but also sexual sin outside of marriage is saying you maybe are married, but you are delighting yourself sexually in other ways like pornography, an illicit relationship, maybe something that you shouldn't be watching. And this goes for both men and women. There's nothing that has more built-in consequences than sexual sin, more, con more consequences, more destructiveness, broken families, broken marriages, divorce, children that are now in the middle of it all, broken hearted. And think about this even, the sickness, the diseases, the infirmities that come out of this because it's destructive, because it deviates, and because it lies to you. It's so deceptive now, the, the, the culture and the lie of sex now, even in our time today. It, it's a lie, it's a lie. Because sexual sin is progressive. One day you'll watch it and you'll see a magazine walk by a liquor store, see a magazine after that. You try to flip a few pages, right? And then you're addicted to pornography. And it's progressive. What's, what's going to happen when that's not enough? What's going to happen when you're married and you're watching pornography and pornography is not enough? What are you going to do next? It's progressive. It's, it's addicting. It has a power over your life. And it will destroy you. And it will destroy your marriage. It will destroy now your character. And there will be a moral breakdown. That's why we have to protect ourselves morally, character-wise, integrity-wise. What do we allow ourselves to look to? See, in, in, in here it's, it's, it, it is extremely deceitful. You see, it, it never delivers what it promises. It's so disappointing. Sometimes we think, well, you know what? It's going to promise me just a moment of pleasure. But it never promises you that and it leaves you empty. Not only that, you know what also sexual sin does? It leaves you insecure. It leaves you wanting for more. It leaves you thinking that you're not good enough. It leaves you thinking that, you know what, there, there is more than this. And there are some lasting consequences to it. 
Paul in 1 Corinthians, later on chapter 9, verse 27, you know what he does? And he says, I discipline my body and I bring it under control. Today we have to discipline our body and put it under control. Lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. The last thing that you want is to be disqualified because your body and your life doesn't look like your message. I have to discipline my body, Paul says, and I have to bring it under control. I have my body under control. I have my life under control. I have my mind under control under the Holy Spirit, Paul is telling us, because I don't want to preach one thing and live another thing. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for your body. And sexual immorality is not part of that plan. Your body is not to be played with. Your body is to be used for Him. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, it says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. God's will for your life is that you be holy. In the things you look at, in the things that you hear, the things that you participate, this is your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual sin or sexual immorality. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and in honor. You know what that means? In sanctification and honor, that you would keep your own body cleansed and abstain and far from sin. How, do, how does your life look today? Does your body say that you glorify God? Somebody once said, if you plugged in now uh, a, a, a cable into a speaker, and with the end of that speaker, you plug it into your heart, what kind of music and sound will come out of your soul? What kind of music and sound would it come out of your soul? Because now he's talking to us here, verse 14, and God raised up the Lord and will also raise up he also raised us up by his power if God raised up you know when you went, when they went to the, the the tomb on the third day did they find you know the, what did they find there I'll tell you what they didn't find they didn't find his body <laughs> because his body is important and God loved the body of the Son, that He wanted to resurrect that body. It says in Revelation, it says in Corinthians, it says in Thessalonians, that we are going to be caught up, and, and, and guess what's going to happen? We're going to be missing our bodies. What does this mean, that God has a plan for our body? And He's always outside of sexual sin. It says here now, God has raised up the Lord, and with His power, He's also going to raise us up, signifying that He has a plan. He has a use for it. Verse 15, do you not know, it says here, that your bodies are members of Christ? Don't you know that your body is a member of Christ? Don't you know that your hands, that your feet, that your eyes, everything about you is a member or is a part of the body of Christ? Shall I then say then, that I then take the members or the parts of the body of Christ and join them and make them members and unite them with a harlot or with a prostitute? And he, said, he answered the question in verse uh, here now 15, certainly not. What does this mean? I'm not going to take my eyes, my hands that are used to serve God, my feet, my attention, and now give them over to a sexual sin. He uses prostitution here, but it can be anything else. And join that and link that up with the body of Christ. Absolutely not. Why mix it? And it's so sad because here he was talking specifically now to soliciting these sexual now encounters. You know, it's sad because sometimes you think, and maybe you're here listening, well, you know what, you're, you, you're not, this, this message isn't for me. I'm strong enough. I'm okay. I don't have problems when it comes to lust. I don't have problems with, with, with talking to the opposite sex inappropriately and sharing my feelings that eventually lead to something that's physical. I don't have that type of problem. You know what in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 24 and 27 says? Solomon talks about it here. 
Solomon dedicates about three chapters to sexual morality, and Solomon had a thousand women in his life. <laughs> if you want to talk about who knew about women, it would be Solomon. A thousand women in his life. <laughs> Some people can't do one. He had a thousand. And it said here in Proverbs 7.24, it says here, Now therefore listen to me, my children, pay attention to my words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. You're walking by and, and she's walking down that way. I'm going to tell you what you have to do. If the woman is walking down that way and you have a problem with lust, you do one thing. You do this. You look that way. <laughs> because you don't want to get caught up in now feeling these things and sinning in your heart. It says, do not turn aside your ways. Do not stray to her path. Don't get lost. For she has cast down many wounded. And this is where I get chills here. This next part. All who were slain by her. All who were slain by her were strong men. They weren't weak men. They weren't men that weren't serving at church. They weren't the people that didn't know the Bible. They weren't people that didn't know the Word of God. They were all strong men. They were qualified men. They were distinguished men. Uh, it says, Her house is the way of hell, descending to the chambers of death. When you think, well, you know, I don't have a problem with that because I'm married. I don't have a problem with that because I've been a Christian for a long time. Well, take heed lest you fall. Take heed lest you fall. Do never think you're too strong to resist temptation because in your flesh you're not. We need the power of the Spirit. This is a warning that we all need to know. We're a, we're, your body is a member of the body of Christ. Romans 12 verse 5 it says, So we being having one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We're members of one another. And if we bring sin into the, this type of sin into the church, guess what? The whole church is polluted. And sometimes you say, well, you know what, it, 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 I don't care about it. I allow it to come into my life. You know, it's not a big deal. It's only happening here. No, it's a problem. It, you, do you think that if, if you had some type of cancer in a, one part of your body, that the, the rest is healthy? Absolutely not, it's not healthy. Because it can contaminate the rest of the body and eventually you can die. And sometimes we think, you know what, well, the, the, the tumor is not close to a certain other place in my body, so I'm okay. No, you would never say that. You would say, you know, I need to take care of this because I can eventually die. Even if it's in one spot, it can spread now and pollute the entire body. And my, I can eventually die. That's what sexual sin does. It permeates one spot. It grows. It takes control. And eventually it is very destructive. Verse 16, it says, Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot? And when you have now sexual relationships, here one with a body, is one body with her. For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. He quotes out of Genesis now. When you have now sexual relations with somebody, God created this so that it's not only a physical act, it's also a very much so spiritual act. It's spiritual. It's joining your soul and it's joining your body together. That's why there's heavy consequences when people are now sexually active outside of marriage and then they break up. Guess what? It's like ripping a part of your soul out of that person and giving it to somebody else. Sex is about two souls coming together, two bodies. It's intimate. And there's heavy consequences when, when this takes place. You know, in the biblical understanding of, of, of sexual relationships, there's nothing such as, and I'll, I'll be very clear, there's nothing such as casual sex. The world thinks of it like that. It's just, you know what, right now, doesn't matter, just to make us feel good, and we'll think about it later. And when you have that type of desire, you don't understand that God created your body, your body, your soul, and your spirit, He created them, and none of it should be your body, your soul, and your spirit, none of it should be giving away to an authorized person. Your body, 
Your soul and your spirit should never be given away to an authorized person or an authorized place. Warren Worsby said about he said, sex outside of marriage, it's like a man robbing a bank and he gets away with it now, but it's not his what he robbed and one day he'll have to pay for it. Now sex inside of marriage, it's like a person putting money into the bank and there it is safely, securely, and he was going to collect dividends from it later. You want to be able to collect dividends in your marriage later? Then keep those types of relations within the, married, the marriage bed. It's like taking something that doesn't belong to you. It's saying, and later you're going to have to pay the consequences for it. Hebrews 13.4 says, Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed and defile, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. God will judge adultery, and God will judge fornication. God will judge both of them. Verse 17 now, as we continue. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You don't want to share your soul, your body, your spirit to anything else, because you become one with it. But now here in verse 17, if you're joined with God, that means you've given Him your soul. You've given Him your body, moral and spiritually. You are connected with the Lord forever. And let me tell you this, it's permanent. And that's what he's saying, verse 17, who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. You should not offer something to someone else that belongs to God. You, why are you offering it to someone else? It belongs to God. And if we're joined to Christ, therefore we've been enabled by His grace to control our bodies. Verse 18 now, flee sexual immorality here, period. <laughs> Do you like how he ends the sentence very short? He doesn't say here, try to deal with sexual sin. He doesn't say, you know, try to fight it. Resist it. Sometimes we try to do that. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch this entire film. It has all these bad scenes in it, perverse things. But I am going to resist not to lust. <laughs> Now, I'm going to now, with the strength that God has given me, the ability that God has given me, I'm going to now enter, not enter into temptation. It doesn't say to resist. It, it does not say to allow. It doesn't say to fight in verse here 18. You know what he's talking about? You know what he's saying here? He's saying run away from it. Run away from it. Flee and run and leave the scene. You want nothing to do with it. Because no other sin like sexual sin so clearly affects the body and the church. It says here, every sin that a man, a man does outside here does, is outside the body. But he who commits, a, a se, commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. You think, well, this is not hurting anyone. It's hurting yourself. It's destroying you, your character. It's destroying your morality. It's destroying your integrity. It's destroying the way you can tell a truth now. Because now you're more prone because you did this now. It's to tell lies. And if behind closed doors, you are involved in sexual sin, guess what's going to happen in public? Also, your integrity and your character is going to falter. And that's why he says, run away from it, flee again, flee it, flee from the presence of lust. It's been said before, when you flee temptation, when you flee temptation, don't leave a forwarding address. <laughs> oh, you know what, I'm fleeing temptation here, but I'm going to allow temptation over here. Flee and leave no forwarding address. When he sees flee sexual morality, you know what he's saying here? Get the hell out of there. And sometimes we need to hear it that way. Get the hell out. What are you doing there? And we're, we're, they're tampering and saying, you know what? I, I, I'm okay with this. I'm okay just looking at this. I, I'm okay with participating. No, get out of there. Because it works against God's purpose for your life. 
The only way that, that God is honored is it's between a one flesh relationship, sex out of marriage. It, maybe it's exciting, but it's never enriching. It's going to leave you empty. It, it's never it allowed you to participate in the purpose and design that God has allowed. Maybe it gives you a little thrill for an instant. Maybe it's a pornographic thrill. Maybe it's videos. Maybe it's a TV show. Maybe it's music or magazines or internet sites that are all a gateway for more sexual sin because it's progressive. And what's going to happen when one thing is not enough? What will you do? Will you eventually now be unfaithful to your wife or your husband? Will you be unfaithfully to the Lord if you're single and you're participating in things that you should not? We should follow the example of Joseph. You know what Joseph did? He literally got the hell out of there. They said that, that Potiphar's wife said, lie with me. And I'm sure, that, you know, men, you know, and, and women, don't, don't think that Potiphar's wife wasn't beautiful. I'm sure she was beautiful. She was Potiphar's wife. He could have chosen from any woman. So this is an attractive woman that's saying, come lie with me. Nobody's going to find out. That's character. That's integrity. And he never lies with her. She finally grabs his tunic. He sa- it says, the Bible says that he left the tunic with her. And this guy left running. This guy left without his outer garments. Think about that. He left in his boxers, man. He was running out of there. Because he didn't want to now be a part of sexual sin. You see it, don't say, you know what, I'm just going to wait. If it happens one more time, we'll turn it off. <laughs> How many of you guys have done that? If they say one more bad word, then I'll turn that channel off. You know what, or try to forward it, right? Let me just forward those scenes. If those scenes are in that movie, think what do you think is in the rest of the movie? When was the last time that you were watching a movie and you had to stop it because you said, you know, I'm not going to allow this to identify me. I remember the first time I, uh, you know, there was a time that I was in the movie theater with, with a few brothers and, and the movie was so bad that, that we literally had to stand up and exit that movie theater and go get refunded for our tickets because we did not want to be seen coming out of that movie and you don't know what, who is out there looking at you and saying, hey, that, that movie's full of trash. That movie has so much sexual contact that you're allowing in your eyes, which are the windows of your soul. Think about what you allow in your soul. That's why when it comes to music too, a lot of people say, well, I just like the music. I like music now. And I love that music. You know know what that music where it's being deposited into your soul? And that's why it's so easy for you to lie. It's so easy for you to cheat. It's so easy for you to steal. Because the music you're allowing into your life, into your heart, into your soul is changing your character. In the heat of a lustful passion, spiritual things, I'll tell you this, in the heat of a lustful passion, the, the, the flame inside is, is going. Spiritual things seem like they're really far away. And that's why you have to control your emotions. You know what the root of most lustful passion is? You want me to tell you what the root of that is? When you're alone and you can't control that lustful passion, the root of that lustful passion is desire for love. It's desire for attention. Attention. It's a desire for acceptance. It's a desire for adventure. And what's sad about that is that all are far more better and completely more satisfied. The attention, the desire, the love, the acceptance, the, all of it is more completely satisfied in a one spirit relationship with the Lord instead of sexual immorality, both with men and with women. All of that that you want to get satisfied in lust, guess where it's satisfied more? It's satisfied more in the Lord. And sometimes, even for women, women are designed differently than men. You know what women will do? Women will give sex for attention. And men will give attention in regards to sex. And in the middle of that, try to translate like it's love, and it's not. 
It really isn't because you're thinking about self and you're allowing yourself to, to now enter into a world, enter into a world of pleasure and sin. Verse 19, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? This is amazing. Do, don't you know this? Because if you know this, it's going to change everything about you. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Your body is the temple. It uses the word here, temple now. And one of the things that I like about this word temple is in the Greek word, the word temple is naos. Don't you know that your body is the naos? You know, the naos is a part of the temple now. In the temple where they build it, they build the brazen altar, they build the outer courts. Then they build the holy place. And he's not talking about the sanctuary, the holy place. Naos, the Greek word naos is not the holy place. The Greek word naos is behind the veil into the most holy place, the holies of holies. That's what your body is. Your body is the holies of holies, the most holy place, because that's where the presence of God dwells. And I want you to understand that because it's important that you know that your body is a place where the most holy, reverent presence of God lives in. And when you understand that, it should change everything about the decisions that you make. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is a temple here of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not. It says here, you are not your own. You're not your own. You know what this also tells you? This also tells you that you're never alone either. You feel lonely sometimes, you feel discouraged. No, the presence of God. I am the most holy place. My body is a naos. My body is a sanctuary. My body is the behind the veil VIP access now to the presence of God. I'm not alone. His presence lives inside of me. Why is he wanting to finish this like this? Because he wants you to understand that your body is a vessel where the presence of God lives. It's a sacred place to God. It's a sanctuary that should be pure from any type of sin or immorality that, that, that we must never allow now sexual sin to influence the temple. But the temple must influence any type of behavior and never commit anything that God would, would allow God's temple or God's naos, God's most holy place to be polluted. Have you allowed something to go into that place that's sinful? You know, in the old times, in the Old Testament, the, temple, the, the high priest would go once a year. And he would have to tie now a rope around his waist with little bells around his tunic so that, that people can hear him moving around that place. Only he was allowed. He's the most holy priest, high priest. But if he went in there and that holy place with sin, guess what? The holy presence of God would strike him and he'd be dead. So they would be standing outside holding onto the rope with their ear now to the veil saying, man, we don't hear the bells anymore. Drag him out. He's dead. <laughs> And they would drag them out. All right, next guy, whoever's up, let's drag the rope, put the rope in there. And then they would see if that person was capable of now housing or holding now to the presence of God. I would really, I thank God so much for His grace. That, he allowed, that His grace is so sufficient. Or else we'd be singing and people would just be falling over at church every day during worship. But it's so interesting here because He's reminding us one thing. That your body is a temple where the Holy Spirit is deposited. And you are not your own. Number one, you're not your own. Verse 20, you're bought with a price. It's not a cheap price either. Don't think that God just put, you know what, it's a cheap, yeah, it's a cheap price. No, it's an expensive price. You know what the price of that was? It was Jesus on the cross. It was Calvary. It was an expensive price that He paid for you. Therefore, you ought to glorify Him with your body. Glorify Him with your body and in your spirit which are God's. Glorify Him. He bought you with a high price and you must honor God with your body. 
You see, an honest person would say, an honest person would say, I need to take care of this because it doesn't belong to me. When somebody lends you something, right, lets you drive their car, do, have you ever been extra careful of driving that car because it doesn't belong to you? Man, that car's not ours. <laughs> oh man, that doesn't belong to us. Let's make sure it's careful. It doesn't belong to us. So your body doesn't belong to you. It was given to you as a temporary now vessel so that the Holy Spirit can dwell in. And if it doesn't belong to you, you should take care of it because as it belongs to God, because one day you're going to have to give it accountable to God. And let me tell you this as we end. This principle is more than just in sexual conduct or content. If our bodies belong to Jesus, we have no right. If our bodies belong to Jesus, you have no right to be idle with your body. You have no right to be lazy with your body. You have no right to be wasteful with your body that belongs to Him. Our bodies should be put and should be used to glorify God. That, that everything about our bodies would be used to glorify Him. Charles Spurgeon said, Your body was a willing horse when it was in the service of the devil. Let it not be a sluggish hack now that it draws the chariot of Christ. Think about it. When it was belong, when our bodies belonged to the devil, man, we it didn't matter what we did. We sacrificed. Oh, you know what? I, I slept. You know, I, I you, you didn't care if you worked the next day, right? You you go out and you you party all night. You you'd abuse your body. But now that it belongs to the Lord, how do you use it? You have no right to defile or to ruin, to injure, to damage property that's not yours. It's God's. It belongs to God. And that's why we need deliverance today. Lord, deliver us. We want more of you, Jesus. Everything we do, we want to glorify God. The feet that we used to use will lead us to sin. Let those same feet now take you to the house of God and to the place of prayer. The eyes that once looked to lust, the eyes that were so attached to those images, let those eyes now be turned to the wonderful Savior at the cross at Calvary. The ears now that used to listen to the doubt, the ears that listened to deception and the music that didn't honor God, let those ears now be eager to listen to the Word of God and the voice of God. What about the tongue? The tongue that was used to slander people. The tongue that was used to tell lies. Let that tongue now be used to sing praises to God and tell others about Him. Your body is a sanctuary. Is everything in that temple singing glory to God today? Is everything in that temple singing glory to God today? I'm going to end with a verse in Romans 12, chapter, chapter two, Romans 12, verse 1, where Paul talks about the body. In the body, he institutes body, soul, and spirit. He says here, I beseech you, I beg you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, I'm begging you because of what God did for you, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You know what God expects you to do? He has an expectation that you present your body, your body is the offering at the altar. That you don't just go to the altar and, and, and give another offering, that you go to the altar and say, here, here, I am the offering on the altar. Lord, let this be holy. Let this be acceptable to you in every area of my life. I don't want there to be areas of our lives where we're idle, we're wasteful, we, we start to deposit things in our, in our bodies and in our lives that don't honor God. And at the end of it, guess what happens? What does it show? It's just that your body doesn't glorify God. And you can take that out of the sexual content as well. The things that you're doing with your body, are they wasteful? Are they productive? 
Are, are they profiting now the kingdom of God? When people look at you, can they see, man, that person invests everything that they do, man, their strength, their energy, their capacity, their influence, they're using it for the glory of God. Man, praise God for you, brother. Praise God for you, sister. Because you understand that your body doesn't belong to you. You're going to take care of it because you want it to be used for the glory of God. You want to take care of your body because you want it to be used for the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you. And we ask, Lord, that we would let our bodies glorify you, the eyes that once saw to lust and were addicted to lust, God. That those eyes, Lord, we look to you, our Savior at Calvary. That the feet that led us to sin, Lord, would now lead us to the house of God and to the place of prayer. We pray for the ears, Lord, that listen to the doubt, that listen to the lies of the enemy, God. Those ears that listen to things that didn't honor you, that they, those ears would be so eager to listen to your word and listen to the voice of God. And Lord, we pray for the tongue that slandered, that told lies, that that tongue would now praise God and that tongue would now share with others about what you've done, Lord. Lord, make us holy vessels, God. And if there's anybody here struggling, Lord, with lust, with sin, with temptation, anything, God, that you would give us the deliverance through your grace because your grace is enough. That we would not try to find the attention in other outlets or channels that leave us empty and make us feel, Lord, as if your presence has departed after, Lord. That we would be fully conscious, Lord, in honoring you, Lord. Let us not only honor you, but honor a spouse. Honor the husbands, honor the wives, Lord. And maybe if we're single, Lord, that we would know how to possess our vessel, Lord, that honors you, that we will not allow or give ourselves away any part of us to an authorized person, place, thing, or activity, Lord. If you have not authorized it, Lord, then we don't want to be a part of it. We thank you, Jesus.